0: I'm going to confess something to you about myself. Uh, I, I don't. Generally, like to talk about myself. It embarrasses me, um, especially when it's about crying. But um, after a week of, of really letting this text from Ezekiel and John be my beacon, you know, my, my, my baseline of study in the Bible as I walk through the week, that's what the sermon text is in my life. Uh, this morning, as I was just thinking about this picture, I was brought to tears. I'll admit I had some music playing in my ears. The music was a song written by Michael W. Smith to the words, holy, holy, holy. And that was being sung by a choir. And all this picture, I just saw it. I was sitting there outside on the lawn, just saw it. And I cried. This is so beautiful. I'm going to just try to open that box today for you, just a touch. I don't expect you to cry with me. I don't need you to. I want you to see how beautiful this is the glory of Jesus Christ. And the rainbow is a way to remember that every time you see it in your life, I'm not done telling you. When you see a rainbow, don't be ashamed. Don't be dismayed. And don't let their hate lie to you so you think it's your fault. When you see a rainbow, praise Jesus Christ any way you can. A good rule of thumb, Back pocket from the Old Testament It's how they used to swear an oath as Jesus Christ lives. That's a rainbow. Walk on with your life and know God loves you in your neighborhood because you're there, because you're a Christian and he chose you. And now what I want to do is chase that promise, that idea, that identity, through the power that it displays both in nature and in supernature as revealed by these several images of the throne room of Jesus Christ that show up in the Bible, Old Testament and new, both sides of his death and resurrection. 24 elders around the throne you heard in Revelation. That's 12 twice, not times, but plus, right? 12 and 12, you know, like 12 tribes or 12 sons of Israel and 12 apostles. So that 24 at the end is sort of like, hey, look, same picture that was seen in the old, only we've got the new. And so all of it becomes one image. There's only one throne room of God. And every time anybody gets a glimpse of this, they only get like a corner of it. Isaiah also sees this picture. He never sees the guy. He never sees Jesus. He just sees his cloak. Eh? Ezekiel. Ezekiel sees the man. And what a powerful man it is. You got to put yourself back in Ezekiel's time to really get this. This is not a movie. This is not CGI, right? Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 1, Ezekiel, page 692. We're going to try to get through this whole chapter here this morning, verse by verse. Uh, A lot of it does repeat. It gives you the picture from some different directions. Uh, But if you would go there, we'll set the tone with verse 1, where he says, In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was among the exiles by the Chebar Canal. I know we talk that way anymore. You don't write you don't write letters to your friends that way. It is very ancient. Very ancient. And you just have to imagine a world where the guys who are in charge don't give a hoot if you're angry or think it's unfair or don't like them. And if you say so, they kill you. And then they take you and your sons and they go conquer other people. And sometimes your sons come back wealthy and sometimes you all die together. That's just kind of life for everybody all the time. People pray for peace, so they pray for a strong man to do it once every two generations and then get over with. Let his son go drink himself to death somewhere else, and we'll just farm our fields. That's the history of mankind right there. And in that history of mankind, age and date matter. So the 30th year here, fourth month, this is how old Ezekiel is he'll tell you in the next bit verse 2 on the 5th day of the month 5th year of the exile of King Jehiachin he tells you where he is in time which is before the final destruction of Jerusalem uh, um, but after the first exiles are taken so do you remember when they're conquered the first time Nebuchadnezzar takes away all the young healthy good looking men and women from the noble families also Everybody does this in the ancient world. You take their kids, then they won't rebel. It's just really easy, except they rebelled (laughs) again. And so the kids end up stuck in Babylon, Daniel ends up ruling Babylon. So it works out in God's story, yeah? But put your mind in this really strange place now. Ezekiel's 30 years old. His family has just either been killed before his eyes or uh, left behind while he and others are racked off to be kind of surf peoples. It's like going to college, only you're never going back and there's no phones. And he's there by the river. He's like, I'm at college, it's scary, but there's a river, that's nice. I'll stand by the river, and he has a vision. And we're not going to talk about the whole vision, because the whole vision lasts much longer than chapter 1. And when it's done, he lies on the ground for a week. He can't move. It blows his mind so much, he doesn't even know what to do. But he does write it down, and then that's what we have here. Yeah, And we're going to see this opening moment of the vision, his commission and call. This starts then in verse four. We're kind of going to leave the rest of it behind there, his lineage and all this. That's important, but for today, we'll leave it. Verse four says, as I looked, here's the vision, right? He's just standing there by the river and then boom, he sees a stormy wind coming out of the north. Uh, this is the whirlwind, an ancient image of God but also sort of God behind nature, that is nature as if it were God and God's in charge of it and it's wicked and evil and maybe even a bit of a dragon come to destroy and devour and have chaos everywhere. Uh, Google Tiamat if you want more on those connections. But say for Job also, he talks about God in the whirlwind. Uh, The idea here is that the whirlwind isn't God himself. it's, It's the rest of creation and if you look at the rest of creation and you judge it based on yourself as a human right now compared to it, it's going to destroy you. So it's a tornado. You're lost. Yeah. Uh, God's behind it, though. He built it. He made it. He's in charge. So, well, Ezekiel sees the, the storm, though. He's like, the storm is coming, right? The, the, the whirlwind's gonna, the tornado is going to come up to me and sit beside me. I'll just stay here and cry, right? That kind of thing. Um, the great cloud, the cloud that descended on Sinai, you see how deep this text is already, like every reference is to something further back. Uh, With brightness all around it, fire flashing forth continually and in the midst of the fire, gleaming metal. So he's like, he's on top of Mount Sinai with Moses too, right? So all that's around him and there's this metallic glow to everything, you know, streets of gold, sort of. Uh, I think it's more about substance, right? It's symbolic of substance, that metal is solid, Ah, even when it's liquid, it's more solid than other liquids, right? It's it's a it's a heavy duty kind of thing, and so when you get to see the glory of God, it's a heavy duty kind of thing, right? It's it's not a it's not a flower. Um, uh, it, it does maybe grow flowers. So he sees this gleaming metal, and then we get these these creatures. Verse five: In the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. So he calls them living creatures uh, in. Uh, John's texts are called living creatures. In Isaiah's text, they're called cherubim. Um, there's another place where they are maybe called seraphim. I think they're all the same. There are teachers in the church who think they're all different. So there's either like 12 different types of creatures around God's throne, and each prophet saw some of them, um, or uh, there's four, and each prophet saw them differently. I go with B. Okay, But you're kind of free to to do it how you will. What's more important is what they represent. Because no matter how many of them there are, they mean the same thing at the end of the day. They are the same thing in creation for us. And that is intermediaries. Not that they mediate God's grace to us, but they pray for us. They praise for us. More than that, we praise with them. They, in one way, praise as us. That's why they all, no matter what they look like, have the form of a man. It's because man is the head of creation, and so while all creations praising, even if man's too stupid to praise God and lives in unbelief, creation around him still singing to his God for him. And what happens when we sing too? Well, that's the regeneration of the spirit right there. Now let's look at these guys. I just made the claim that they represent creation. Let's look at why that is. So uh, it, it goes on in detail for quite some time here. I'm going to read it all. Uh, From the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. They had a Oh, I got to complain about this, though. A human likeness. Okay, ESV. You want to know why? No, I don't like the ESV. It's right here. The the word's a man. It's the word man. It's very clearly the word man in Hebrew. And yet, because we're so afraid, you ladies are going to be offended that we use the word man when we could use the word human instead, uh, that we put human in there when it's clearly talking about Jesus. Like he's a man. Right? He's not, he's not a human. He is, but he's more than a human. He's a man. It's, he's more specific. And the fact that the Bible teaches that man is the head of creation, not humanity. Ladies, you're not the head of creation. You are part of the head of creation's body. And guys, that goes for us too. Frankly, Adam is the head of creation. And now Jesus is the head of creation. Both men. Yeah? So uh, they had a man's likeness. I'll keep reading and try not to comment. Uh, each had four faces, And each had four wings, their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. For the likeness of their faces each had a human face." The forehead, the face of a lion on the right side, the forehead, the face of an ox on the left side, and the forehead, the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. That's, that's a lot to absorb, and I don't even know. I'm not sure I know where how to see those hands in the armpits thing. I, I don't I don't know how to picture that. Uh, and I've I reckoned with this enough, though, that uh, I know the best way to just start looking at this is to imagine the altar in front of you as a throne, okay? And put four statues of humanoid peoples around this throne underneath the base that holds the throne up so that they're bent over and it's on their back, okay? And each of these humanoids is positioned in such a way that when you look at them from where you are, you see four different types of faces. You see, one looks just like a man, super super Superman, and one looks like a like a Minotaur, (laughs) and one looks like a Minotaur, but not. It's got an eagle head, some you know Egyptian thing, Uh, and wings. Right? They all got wings. Uh, And then the other one, it it looks like a lion, right? Uh, Like a nice Griffin, you know, with a man's body. Uh, and they're all there holding up the base of this thing. And if you were to walk around, because they each have actually four heads, no matter what way you looked at it one-sided, you'd see four different heads. That's how it harmonizes. Now, there are others who want to say there's 16 or whatever out there doing it. And they all, okay, that's fine. But you can see the picture. There's, and now here's the thing. By the end of this, there's going to be four wheels underneath them because <laughs> uh, they're actually a ride. Uh, They're not just a throne, they're a ride, literally. Uh, I think this is cool. So I get excited, and I'm gonna get excited in front of you about this. But do you see that much? Okay. And then from there, start to put in things like their their bodies are, are also glowing like burnished bronze. They got eyeballs everywhere. They see everything at all times, right? You can start adding the pieces, but just start with that big part, yeah, that's there, and then the fire and the cloud and the whirlwinds all there. Okay. Verse 15. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of Beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning, as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels." When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. I remember reading somewhere that as a as a Hebrew uh, male who was taught to read the Bible in Jewish culture before Jesus, uh, you didn't get to read Ezekiel till you were like over 35 because they were concerned you'd go crazy. So just remember that as we pile through this, right? It's like, that was what? <laughs> yeah, uh, wheels within wheels, yeah? Uh, I'll try to just put it in this a simple version of the picture, right? So, so each of these angelic living beings that are angels representing all of us by our connection to each other symbolically, uh, they also are sort of surrounded by a globe, okay? A globe that works like a caster on a rolling chair. But Ezekiel can't say that. All he's got is wheels. And wheels only look like, you know, round things, not s- globes. So he's trying to describe this globe of crystalline fire surrounding these beings underneath. And then how, when they decide to go somewhere, they don't make nice long curves. They move like lightning when they go where they want to go. Because their, their wheels can go any direction at once. Uh, now you want to put a little fun in your conspiracy theory pipe. Um, No, that's the way that these aliens, they keep saying they're encountering military releases. Have you been paying attention? These aliens, that's the way they say they move, which tells me they're not dealing with aliens from other planets. (laughs) They're dealing with demons. Uh, I think that's clear. Uh, Going back to the text, the wheels. Only other thing I want to say about it, for those of you who are like me enough to appreciate the tires on my Jeep, okay? Uh, did you notice God put rims on his too? It's in the text, okay? He's got nice rims on his ride. Yeah? Uh, so just, just notice that. And then let's go on with the rest of it though. Um, verse 22 now, remember how I said there's a throne and they're under the throne. Between them and the throne is something powerful, okay? Uh, and here it says, verse 22, over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse. So like old King James, firmament. We're going to come back and talk about that word. It doesn't come into English easily. Uh, there was a an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. Let's just do that one, right? So they're there, and above them before the throne is the most glorious crystalline chandelier, only it's not a chandelier, it's a spread, right? I mean, I've been to like old train stations where they just have glass as a roof, and I'm like, wow. Now imagine that that's fine crystal, the whole thing, one piece, right? Again, like movies have numbed us to this. You read it, and you can't picture it because we have to just, you have someone else to show it to you, right? We have to slow down then and ask, what does it mean? And you'll find, you can do this. You can do what I'm doing. You can see it. You have to slow down, right? Let the text say something. Uh, So the crystals above their heads, firmament is called. Okay, so this comes out of Moses, right? Where God creates the heavens and the earth, and he spreads out the firmament. Uh, The best English for this is sky. Really, the sky. It does everything the word firmament does. It's just the problem with the word sky is it, the sky's a lot of different things. The sky is like a layer of atmosphere followed by like the sub-atmosphere followed by, you know, the satellites and then there's the place where the moon is and all that, right? So that's all sky. And and frankly, where Jesus disappears behind the clouds and we're seeing him at right now is also sky. So this firmament idea is kind of a tough one. But when you remember that once upon a time, Copernicus didn't exist And so everyone did think, you know, the sun comes up and the sun goes down, and that's all we know, and that was enough. This idea about spinning through space and stuff. And in that time, the sky would have been very easy to think of as just being a big sheet, if you look at it, it's what it looks like. And so they thought that stars were holes in the big sheets that had been draped over the earth and the light only came through the holes. And the sun was some special kind of this created by God. And while I don't necessarily think we need to absorb that as a scientific possibility, I think it's fascinating to think how that changed the way you saw the sky. The sky was mysterious and glorious, not something to ignore because we figured it out, as <laughs> if we did. We didn't figure it out as much as we think. But, but you know, do you look at the stars? Right? How often right? The, the sky, the firmament, the glory of this idea, how powerful it is to look at the sky, how much the sky represents God's glory just by being underneath it, again, is lost to us as modern people. Um, but here it is very, very importantly being stated. And one last thing. Uh, you know, so the word comes from uh, you know, literally a sheet of beaten metal. Right? So God created the heavens and the earth, and he spread out a sheet of beaten metal. That's Genesis. Uh, well, you know, how else do you describe in a world without you know, printing presses what a flat thing is that's spread out? What other words do you have? But the thing is, uh, there is a word we can say in English that does all of this as well. It also explains the word sky, and that'd be called a field, right? It's a field. God spread out a field. It's just up above us in three dimensions, yeah? Uh, so that's this firmament that now is seen as the most glorious crystalline structure. You ever zoomed in on like salt crystals, or of course, you've seen snowflakes? Yeah. So can you just imagine that with me, Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's see, I, I got to go back down here. Um, verse 23, under that expanse, that crystal, their wings were stretched out straight toward one another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. So you see two uh, statues like these creatures, pointing to these creatures uh, in the the temple and in the tabernacle that Moses builds. So God forbids images and then he tells them, make this statue and that statue. (laughs) And so they have these these angels that are the cherubim, seraphim, uh, around the Ark of the Covenant. And one of the things about the statues is their wings stick straight out and one hits a wall and one hits another wing. And there's only two of them because they're standing behind it. So the revelation is growing, yeah? Um, But this idea about their wings being stuck, so they're in these globes, As man-like, humanoid creatures of wings and fire holding up this thing, but their wings are also spread out. So it's like a complete construction. It's a framework. It's solid. Again, glory is solid. It's a really good way to think of the word glory. Uh, Verse 24, when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters. It's pretty cool. Waterfalls are amazing, noisy things. Uh, Like the sound of the Almighty. Oh, it's God, actually. They sound like God, right? Because when you get all creation together, it sure looks like God uh, until you are told by God it's not, that he made it, right? All false religion worships creation because they don't know the true God. It's, it's very easy to do. Um, the sound of the tumult of an army. So again, something probably none of us have really been near, uh, but a couple weeks ago, I was in a pretty loud place. I can imagine that. Uh, there was a voice from above the expanse over their heads when they stood still, they let down their wings. We'll leave that for another time. Going on, to verse 26. And above the sky, firmament, crystal field over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne. So here's your throne, finally. Make it the coolest medieval fantasy, sci-fi, steampunk, you know, cosmic horror, whatever throne you can, except just make it made of sapphire. <laughs> yeah. So whatever you think that throne looks like, it's all a sapphire gently textured to be a place to sit and seated on it. And notice how it says likeness of a throne, likeness of a man. Ezekiel's a little afraid to acknowledge that this is actually God or he's actually, it, it looks like a man. I don't even know what's going on. He's he's overwhelmed by it. But the likeness of a man, he's not incarnate yet. He is pre-incarnate. He is the son of God. He will be the son of man. And then how does he look? Well, upward from his waist, He's shining like molten metal. His whole body is just made of molten metal. I mean, I remember watching like an X-Men movie where there's this guy, Colossus or something, who, who will turn into metal and then go away from But he's like, he's like silver, gun, gun silver metal, right? That was cool. But molten, again, well, I can add to that then. Picture it. Like the appearance of fire cloaked. Like it says, uh, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw the appearance of fire, and there was brightness all around him. So you just only see him from the waist up, and it's just kind of like <laughs> fire everywhere around him. And what's the waist up? Looks like it's fire that's been contained. That's the power right there. But then notice that all of that's a rainbow. Like you didn't see it the whole way, right? You, you just saw fire, <laughs> right? It's a whole rainbow the whole time. It's all the promise of God never to destroy again. That this fire is for purification. This fire is for salvation. This is the fire of his love for you. This is why he died. All in a moment in the picture, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. I encourage you to read his name into the Old Testament as often as you can in good conscience. It's pretty clear here. This is the appearance of the glory of of Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate. If you want to get over to Revelation, we're going to touch on it on the way out the door. That's going to be page 1030, 1030 for chapter four for this same image uh, that we just saw. And I want to call like three things out to just amplify from what you heard read before. Because uh, whereas Ezekiel is seeing this rainbow fire promise, that promise is not taking place yet in history. And Ezekiel's going to wake up and live the rest of his life as sort of a a slave in somebody else's kingdom. He's got a nice job in middle management, but he isn't exactly a free man, nor does he have the freedom of religion to go to his temple because it does not exist. So it's not as though everything's fixed, right? And what we're going to see from John is John saying, actually, everything's fixed. And then you're like, but what, Trump? But 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 what, Biden? No, 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 this is the point. Actually, everything's fixed. Nothing's going wrong. It's all right on time. It's all right on plan. Jesus just wants to save you. And whoever else will come and hear his word. He's not too worried about the future economy of the United States. He really doesn't care. He's more concerned about the repentance of his people who forget his ways. That's what he cares about. Picture of the throne. John's picture. Notice the It's not like the other one was negative, okay? It's not like Ezekiel's negative. But notice how it's just even more good. After this, I look, there's a door in heaven. The voice I heard speaking says, come up here. Ezekiel's down on the bottom, watching a tornado of fiery rainbows with living creature beasts in it. From the bottom, what changes? Come up here. Remember the parable? Don't seat at the best place at the wedding. So the master may say to you, come up here. Come up here. The door is open. Remember how there was a crystalline frame that kept the creatures away from God? Well, come up here, creation. Unity has been restored. Yeah, You're right there. Come up here. I will show you what must take place after this. I'd translate that behind this, but we'll leave that for another day. At once I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne stood in heaven. So John is like screaming if you don't know Ezekiel, you need to read Ezekiel. It's a a sapphire throne, right? Everything we just saw, he just referenced it. He doesn't have to repeat it. You know it. I saw the throne. One seated on the throne, you know who that is? I'll, I will add that his, his brass, fire, molten body also looked like jasper and carnelian. So really valuable gems, not diamonds, not emeralds, but others. More rare, actually, if you think about it. Um, so really beautiful, beautiful crystal of high value and substance. And all around the throne was a rainbow that also is a crystal. It has the appearance of an emerald. Don't think green. Think more expensive than most stones, not a diamond. That's, that's an emerald. It doesn't mean green in the ancient world. It means more expensive than the other ones. Sapphire too, more expensive than the other ones. And you know that an opal's is not a sapphire, right? They just thought in bigger terms than we do. So this, this rainbow is now crystallized. The fire has become a new creation. You see the transition from Old and New Testament, I hope. I hope you touch on the shadow there, okay? Um, uh, around this throne now, there's men. Men. 24 men these elders again old and new testament christianity the church on earth uh they're clothed in white garments that's got to be the blood of christ golden crowns on their heads that's your baptism it shines and makes you whole uh, from the throne still a lot of (laughs) noise flashes of lightning rumblings peals of thunder burning torches of fire and the it says seven spirits of god this is in chapter one two you could translate it sevenfold, which is better So in that way, you could also see the word seven as being coterminous with the word holy. Like it means holy when you say seven in Hebrew. Okay, So the seven spirits of God is the Holy Spirit, God himself. Uh, It's not some other ghosts. Um, So they're there. So the the spirit is there, is fire. The son is on the throne um, and the father is behind it all. Around the throne, on each side of the throne are four living creatures. There they are again, full of eyes, front and behind. He knows you know what they look like from what we just heard read. The first living creature, like a lion, the second an ox, the third a man, the fourth an eagle, six wings, and there it is. They sing. They sing what Isaiah heard them sing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. God, you are not us. God, you are not us. God, you are not us. You are almighty and your glory is the rainbow that takes fire and makes it crystal. It fills the whole earth. I skipped one piece there. Uh, I went over it, uh, and I'm not going to go back to find the text because we're out of time. I just want to point out for your study the next time you see it. So he comes up to where they are. The four living creatures are where the throne is. They used to be under the throne. They're up where the throne is. So what happened to the crystalline expanse? Where did it go? Well, underneath all of it now is the sea an ocean. And it's as still as glass. There's no chaos anymore. There's nothing separating us from God. It's all been restored because that one who was up, came down, went down deep, came back and went up again on your behalf. We're not done yet. Chasing the rainbow three weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise for prayer.